Welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. I am Pastor Troy, and with me, my sidekick of late, Josh Humphreys. Sidekick. Hmm. My Interesting. minion. Ew. <laughs> I don't know about that either. I'm neither of those things. Coworker, if Coworker. you Coworker. Okay. All right. <laughs> Equal in the Lord. Josh yes. Humphreys. Yes. Oh, uh, brother in Christ. Brother in Christ. Brethren. The brethren are here. But anyway, we have, uh, it's been a great week of reading. Uh, if you like Jeremiah, uh, and I love Jeremiah. I just, I I really just, uh, Jeremiah was one of those books I didn't like when I was early on in my reading because Isaiah is so much more uplifting and encouraging. Uh, but Jeremiah, I just have so much respect for him for being so true. And, and so we had an incredible week of reading in uh, Jeremiah where he, he really just stands his ground and has all types of guys who are prophesying just wrong things. It, it just amazes me how people come along and say, the Lord has said this, and the Lord didn't say that. And, uh, and so Jeremiah's like, mm, we'll see. And, uh, and it's like, then he, then they wind up dying or whatever else. But, uh, but the king, you know, but what a tough position if you're Jeremiah, to have a word from the Lord that says defect, to tells the yeah. ki- that tells the king just abdicate your throne and go into exile. Right. And the king is like, no, we're gonna fight. We're gonna fight for our country. And I uh, want everybody to fight. We're gonna. And, and the king is trying to rally everybody together and and get everybody to defend the. the and then you get this guy going around. Nope, nope. You're all gonna lose. You're gonna <laughs> lose. And uh, and so you just need to give up. And. And so it's like, they're like, hey, dude, shut up. You right. know, we're trying to fight. And, and he's like, well, I'm just telling you, if you fight, you're going to die. Mm. And if you will just give up, you get to live for another, you know, for a generation. Hmm. And uh, that's a tough, that's a tough message. God gave him a tough message, but he shared it faithfully all the way to the very end. And we are also in Psalm 119, which is the longest chapter in all of the Bible. Mm-hmm. It's the longest book of Psalms is the longest book of the Bible with 150 chapters. And then chapter 119 is the longest chapter in all of the Bible. With, How many uh, verses? Uh, 163 verses. I can't oh my gosh. That's not exact. <laughs> Give us an exact Don't number. quote me on that. I know. I just, <laughs> I just spitballed there. But, um, it um, pretty much goes uh, in, in verse in sections of eight. Uh, it goes through the twenty-three letters of the Hebrew alphabet. So, uh, are you looking that up? Um, no, I, I realized that I didn't have my Bible, so um, this is going to be really hard to do the podcast. So it would be hard. It, it is difficult to do. I, I am. I mean, I, I guess I. I don't want my. <laughs> I don't want our podcast listeners to go, are you going to make me look that up in the Bible? No, I wasn't actually so, going to look it up. I just remembered I that I it's needed my Bible. And, it's 176 verses. So, oh, okay. So, cool. 176. That was one section off. Um, so anyway, they we're looking at that. Uh, but but each of the, uh, each of the passages uh, for each day uh, is one of the sections of Psalm 119. It's like I said, it's divided into 23 separate little vignettes so uh it's which is really cool and is primarily about the study of god's word in fact we did an entire sermon series through psalm 119 which is so something that i really was looking forward to doing and now it has been accomplished we have done we have finished it you can hear those on the podcast Uh, the understand jesus podcast is twofold. It is the sermons mm-hmm. uh, from Sunday, and is also what we're doing right here, the actual podcast podcast. I guess I didn't know that. Yeah. So 
Surprise. I I don't want to keep it that way. Daniel did that. We're just <laughs> oh, Daniel. He put, I, I really would like to have the two separate things yeah. so that the podcast is just the podcast. So Austin, we'll we'll fix that. We'll we'll remedy that. You've already been doing it. Oh, sweet. Oh, great. So, Incredible. Because the sermons really should be something else. It should be so kept somewhere else, housed in a different department. But um, anyway, after uh, Psalms, we Proverbs, went to Proverbs 27. We're still in Proverbs 27, mm-hmm. just lingering there for a while because. Yep. There are only 31 chapters in Proverbs. <laughs> yeah, we're getting and close. We've got, uh, we've got, well, we got a lot of time. I know. Uh, to get through four chapters, um, and then First Thessalonians, we finish out. Uh, actually, chapter four and chapter five of First Thessalonians yeah. are awesome chapters mm-hmm. uh, because this. I probably quote First Thessalonians four at more funerals than just about any other <laughs> chapter in God's Word. Gotcha. Um, it is. Well, it's a perfect yeah. funeral. Uh, <laughs> it says comfort one another with these words. Right. So. Right. Uh, and then Second Thessalonians we begin. So so it's been a good it's been a good week of reading. We will come back and we will talk about what God uh, what stood out to us in the reading of God's word this week and uh, what God showed us and hopefully it will help you to open up God's word and see what God shows you when we come back. Welcome back to the Understanding Jesus podcast. Josh pointed out to me in the break that uh, we're also looking at 1 Timothy chapter 1 and 2. Yes, we are. So, and yeah. that's where I'm beginning today, well, Troy. Well, there you go. That's why I kind of prefaced that <laughs> when we started. Yes. So, what do you find in 1 Timothy, Josh? Uh, well, it's uh, chapter 1, verse 5, and it says this. Uh, there it is. The purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart a clear conscience, and a genuine faith. So I absolutely love this verse because when I started teaching, um, I was very much like um, who's Paul describing, who Paul is describing right before this, um, mm-hmm. which is wasting time in endless discussion of myths and spiritual pedigrees. These things have meaning, uh, only lead to meaningless speculations, which don't help people live a faith in God. And that's kind of where I started teaching. I, I taught things that necessarily didn't matter. Um, I started doing that. I started teaching when I was 17 or 18 and it was just things that really didn't matter. Um, things that people could speculate over, but it never really helped their faith. And so, um, now though, uh, when I read this verse again, it reminded me of that and reminded me of how far I've come and what the Lord has done in my life, because this is, this is what my teaching is supposed to do. My goal is not to just help people understand him with their mind, but, um, but that the teaching would capture their, their whole self, their heart, soul, mind, and, and body, um, and that God w- would be seen for who he really is mm. um, instead of um, just being instructed and, 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 and their brain just, just getting to know him, but that their hearts would fall in love with him, um, and that every time they would leave um, me after I taught the Bible or a Bible study, they would leave more in love with God um, instead of more impressed by me. And I think, honestly, the same principle can be applied to when we read the Bible. Sometimes we go to the Bible and we just read it and hope to learn something about God, um, but we walk away with it and it, it didn't change our affections for him. And so um, are we reading the Bible to fill our minds or to fill ourselves as a whole and fall in love with him? And um, do we lock, walk away loving God more than when we started? Mm. I like that. And the, um, you know, the thing that uh, you were talking about how um, – how in, in sharing God's word, uh, how you want it to be, um, you know, Tim, Tim, Paul is talking to Timothy as mm-hmm. as a mentor and someone and having to make the um, use of God's word 
um, meaningful. The uh, so often we do just spend time in God's Word for the purpose of our own yeah. puffed up knowledge and right. and edification. It it's it's hard to rem- it's hard to remind ourselves constantly that this is something that you know I have a, well and he's a good friend, uh, but he went to Bible college and I remember him graduating and and he was our youth pastor and I used to think where is where is all the things you learned right showing up in your teaching yeah and it was and and there was a disconnect yeah you know and it's like you need to be able to to see that all this stuff you were learning was not just to get a piece of paper right. But actually, to help you communicate God's well, word. and that's what that's what Paul says right after verse five. He says, "But some people have missed this whole point. They have turned away from these things and spend their time in meaningless discussions." Mm-hmm. And honestly, that's what Jesus says when he's talking to the Pharisees. He says, "You search the scriptures um, because in them you think you find eternal life, but it is they who speak about me." And he's saying to the Pharisees, "You missed me. <clears throat> you missed me. I'm who the scriptures talk about." I am Jesus. I am God. And they're speaking about me. I'm the savior. And you've missed the whole point completely. And that's mm. kind of what Paul's reiterating here. They, these people want to be teachers of the law of Moses, but they've completely missed the whole point. Mm. And I think that kind of what you said uh, about Bible colleges, someone told me, he said, um, cause he was talking about me going to Bible college and he was like, well, you know, when you get back from Bible college, you'll have to unlearn everything that you just learned. And I like, he like kind of scoffed and like laughed and I was like, that's really funny. But, um, but that's true. Some people go to seminary and then they leave and then they enter a church thinking they'll be able to be these great teachers, but then have to unlearn how they learned it and, and have to apply it and and see who God is and and fill them with love instead of just with their brain too. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I'm going to turn back a little bit to first Thessalonians chapter four. And um, as I mentioned, that that is uh, a passage that uh, I, the latter part, uh, I've shared at funerals. Um, But before we get to the funeral part, in uh, verse 3, Paul makes a a call to sanctification. He says, uh, verse 3, he says, for this is God's will. Now, I love any time that those words come together. It's like, what is God's will? And it's like, because that's a that's a question we ask. How do I know God's will? Right. And and Paul just speaks it uh, boldly. For for this is God's will, your sanctification. Mm-hmm. And then a colon there, and he's gonna say, now here's what your sanctification is. He says that you keep away from sexual immorality, that each of you knows how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not with lustful passions like the Gentiles who don't know God. This means one must not transgress against and take advantage of a brother or sister in this manner because the Lord is an avenger of all these offenses, as we also previously told and warned you. For God has not called us to impurity, but to live in holiness. Consequently, consequently, anyone who rejects this does not reject man, but God who gives you his Holy Spirit. You know, and in an age where we talk about uh, accountability and so forth, and we went through this whole process in our own denomination of, of trying to make sure that we have not abused people or been abusive toward people right. or and not and not had any type of sexual impropriety. This is like so clear in, in this. That, and he's and like, hey, not only does the world judge you for this, not only is this bad, right. but God himself yeah. is your adversary. At this point, I think I think we incurred a lot of um, uh, discipline from the Lord uh, just because we haven't dealt with this in a way that's mm-hmm. faithful. Uh, but uh, but in my own first highest, uh, I don't know if you've ever 
read through that devotional, but uh, Oswald Chambers admonishes us um, not to hope for sanctification, mm. but to be sanctified. And oh. it's such a, hmm. it's a, it's something that he's saying, you don't just hope that you do the right thing. It's like you have been given the Holy Spirit. Mm. So just simply do the right thing. It hmm. is a, it is just simply a moral choice. And so make the choice. He says, and, and he goes on to say, make the transaction with Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and, and what we need is a profound, humble holiness a holiness that, it, and this is again his words, a holiness based on agonizing repentance and a sense of unspeakable shame. Mm. Um, wow. That that's what we need in order to experience the sanctification sanctification um, that God has with us. Uh, and and that's what he says. You just you just must not transgress. And and when you come to those decisions, just making that decision to. Uh, th- that's why you know I always thinking accountability is important and having accountability partners is important. Accountability partners is not, people are like, well, it's not the Bible. It's like, yeah, it's not, you, <laughs> you are correct. There is no word for that, but it is the church being the church. Yeah, right. It's simply understanding that we are to admonish one another and and finding people in the church that you could trust and, and hold yourself accountable to uh, is simply us striving to be discipling one another and, and being in those kind of relationships. We don't have those relationships in the church, and so we come up with terms to mimic uh, what we should have already been doing already. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like there's no youth ministry in the church either, but we are to train our young people right. <laughs> how to follow God's word. Right. So, so the, you know. Whatever program name you want to put on it or whatever, uh, the end result is is that we recognize when we are struggling mm-hmm. to be sanctified, and that is not some magic pill or something. They mm-hmm. are morally conscious decisions each day of deciding I am going to submit to the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. versus submitting to my own flesh. And if you need help doing that, then get help doing that. That's yeah. what the church is for. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that. The next, uh, the series we're doing with the youth right now is uh, where are we at in the story? What is our purpose in the story that God has given us? Mm. And so it's over the next few weeks, we're going to be diving into what's your job as a member of the universal church? What's your job? Um, mm. and, and so I'm really excited to go into that because a lot of the times um, youth, you know, they, they don't understand what their purpose is in the church. And so I'm really excited to dive into that. And that's super helpful. Um, but anyway, yeah, mm. good stuff. It is good stuff. Well, uh, I'm in Proverbs 27 again, just like last week. And when I read this verse this week, my mouth dropped. And I was just like, whoa, because it's really, really awesome. And, and here's what it says. Um, Proverbs 27:21 says, fire tests the purity of silver and gold, but a person is tested being praised. And I read that and my mouth hit the floor. Cause I was like, I've never thought about it in that way. And so, um, it's just smacked me. And, and, and so another word for that praise there is flattery, kind of like what we were talking about last week with the kisses of our enemies mm. yeah. is this flattery. And so, um, what, what it's saying here, but a person is tested um, by being praised. It, it's testing the person's character. Um, and so when someone flatters you, um, are you going to respond with pride or with humility? Are you going to respond with selfishness and conceit? Or are you going to respond with selflessness uh, there? And it reminded me of Philippians 2 um, about Jesus's character. Um, and let me flip there just really quick to read it. 
Um, Galatians and Ephesians, Philippians, there we go. Philippians 2, uh, and it says, You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave, and he was born as a human being. And this just reminded me, this verse about being tested by praise is that Jesus was so morally perfect and so morally pure. And just think about how many people continually walked to Jesus and talked to him and praised his name just just for his miracles and, and all those things. Not for knowing that he's Lord, but just because he was a, a good teacher or a good shepherd or whatever. Um, that they, they didn't see him as Lord, but they saw them as good. And so he had all these moral praises or when, you know, Satan was tempting him in, in the wilderness and was like, well, you can turn this, this, um, these rocks into bread or have the angels catch you, you know, flattering Jesus with his power and all that stuff. But Jesus never sinned. He, he never fell into that. And we can just see how morally pure and perfect he is. And it just, when I read that verse, reminded me of, of how good our Savior is and challenged me too. How do I respond when people flatter me or, or talk to me about the talents that God has given me or or anything? Honestly, do I respond in humility or do I respond in pride? Do I give the glory to God or do I give the glory to myself? And it was was really cool. Mm, that is super awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think that, uh, you know, that, that proverb is... Is one that um, when it is a great struggle in ministry. Yeah. Uh, I remember having a guy who was uh, I was at a national religious broadcasters convention and they asked him to speak on humility and he said and then they put me on an elevated platform with spotlights on me in front of ten thousand people mm. and yeah. uh, and it's like you you have uh, early on in ministry that that was a uh, that was a, a, a challenge because yeah. especially when you're a young minister. When people are saying, oh, mm -hmm. my goodness, you know, God just uses you or you've right, you right. got this amazing gifts or whatever. I, I had a teacher that told me, she said, um, she said, I fully expect that God is going to do great things through you. And I'm going to read about you one day in the paper and mm -hmm. see about you in mm -hmm. books and all these different things. And and I thought, oh, my gosh, that's so wonderful and so forth. Right. And then as life progressed, I thought, man, what a chain she put around my neck. Yeah, you know, no. Mm -hmm. Of just, um, just that I constantly felt as though I was trying to live up to this, right. this teacher's mm -hmm. idea of, that, of greatness. And, and, uh, and at some point, you just have to say, you know, I, I, that was never, that wasn't no. from God. That, no. was, that was not something I, I don't have to aspire to be. I just have to mm -hmm. be his. Yeah. And it, and always remembering that that everything good within me, everything good that's ever been done, that that's just the hand of God working yeah. through me. I remember it was last year um, I was teaching college students here, and there was this moment, I will never forget it, where I, rem I had to be reminded that I was not in charge of the college students, but I was serving them mm -hmm. as their teacher, and I was serving the church. And it flipped my mind of how ministry worked. I was no longer yeah. in charge, but I was... I was serving the Lord and I was serving right. them and that it changed how I taught. It changed how I talked to people. It was the craziest. I'll never forget it. And, um, and I'm thankful yeah. that I had that, you know, it, obviously sanctification is always, but I'm thankful that I had that early, you know, when I was yeah. 20 or 21, because some yeah. people go, you know, their whole life and, and don't ever have that. Uh, and, 
yeah anyway yeah and i think i think even in in ministry we 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 fall into this trap over and over again it's like i've got to get uh, uh it's either i've got to get this size church or i've got to reach right. this number of people or we have something in our mind that is success this and when we and when we're thinking of that success we're thinking that that will reflect on us mm-hmm. as whether we were good or not good in what we did and and so we can and then compare that to well uh, look how much better i am than other people and that yeah. that's that natural yeah. progression of events of of i see and sometimes it'll be i see a person in, and it doesn't have to be a ministry it could be mm-hmm. in any in any field that we go into we see somebody who's our idol or our icon of, of this person is mm-hmm. successful and so i want to be like this person if not better than that person right. or ascribe to be like that person and so we strive for this and, and so within that we have all this list of here are why i think this person is great and amazing yeah and so i want to achieve these things that are great and amazing so that i can then say i'm this person or i'm like this person or i've right. accomplished this and and it and it doesn't have to be uh, and it could be who's a hero to you may not be a hero to me. So I have my own anti-hero or whoever. Right. And so I'm still doing the things that make me more like that person or iconic like that person. If that person is anyone other than Jesus, right? <laughs> then you're already in a wrong pattern. Yeah. Because well, God is not trying to make you like right. that other person. God's trying to make you like Christ. Mm-hmm. And the only reason Paul said become like me Mm-hmm. Is because he's because I'm becoming like right, Christ, right. you know. And so if you are striving to be like me, then you're going to strive to become like Christ. And that and that has to be us also. Well, and that's the whole point of that Philippians two passage to say become like Christ and serve serve the people around us, serve the body of Christ. Yeah. That's what Christ came to do. And so that's your job as well is to yeah. serve. And that I mean I don't know I love if, if you're if the only way to gauge whether you are becoming more like Christ is if your future has a cross in it. Mm-hmm. And, and and that means the end of you yeah. and the beginning of him. Yep. And that's what Paul says, you know, to live as Christ, to die as right. gain, to I am crucified with Christ, therefore I no mm-hmm. longer live, but Jesus Christ now lives in me. And so right. it's, that, it's that loss of self is what the goal is. So it's, uh, mm, yeah, it's a, and it's a struggle. And it's crazy to me how you feel like you've won that battle at some point and then only to have it rear its ugly head. Right. Uh, coming back again. Mm. Mm. Good stuff. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, similar passage to the one that we looked at earlier is from Psalm 119. Uh, when I was talking about First Thessalonians 4, uh, there's um, a passage that uh, when I was in Navigators, wow, that's a long ago. You know what? Have you ever heard of that? I do. Okay, cool. That's like the grandfather of There's a lot of college ministries. Super, super big on scripture memorization. Mm-hmm. So I really feel guilty that I'm actually looking this passage up while I'm talking Uh-oh. about navigators. But uh, <laughs> I do know the passage by heart. When I was in Florida, we met a lot of people in navigators. Oh, sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, in Psalm 119, uh, one of the pa- one of the first passages I had on a card. Uh, that I would, and that was one of the things you get like little business cards, it looked like about the size of a business card and had Bible verses on them and you put those all over the place and you remember and just say them over and over and over and over and over and over, and over again. Um, but this was one of my favorite passages and it was in Psalm 118 verse 9. It says, how can a young man keep his way pure by keeping your word? Mm. I've sought you with all my heart. Don't let me wander from your commands. I've treasured your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. 
Lord, may you be blessed. Teach me your statutes with my lips. I proclaim all the judgments from your mouth. I rejoice in the way revealed by your decrees as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and think about your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. And and as a young man in college, I remember that that was the big question. How can a young man keep his way pure? Yeah. And and then God answered it. Um by taking heed according to your word mm. and just remembering that it is that it is in staying in the word that is being faithful to just what does God ask me to do? How, you know, and constantly going back to what does his word tell me to do? How does his word tell me to respond? Uh, when he says things like flee immorality, uh, to take those words to heart and to remember to run uh, away and, um, and just having, uh, I, I think that's, you know, we, we look at the Bible so often as just a, a bunch of facts and figures and things mm-hmm. to memorize and so forth yeah. and, and pithy ideas. But the reality is there are very practical mm-hmm. steps in us being able to be obedient and pure in our hearts. And and that's what Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Right. And mm-hmm. and Satan knows this. Satan knows that um, that if we if he can lead our hearts, coax our hearts into impurity. If he can get us to stray away from the word, go out from the protection of the word, right. and indulge ourselves into um, into uh, uh, serving our own pleasure or, meeting, or uh, fulfilling our own fleshly desires, then that cuts off our view of God, and and so and that's his that's his whole idea because once we once we lose sight of God, once we lose sight of Christ, then fear enters in, mm-hmm. then then yeah. now he has us he has fear and anger and sin, and we begin to devolve and begin to make decisions mm-hmm. outside of the Holy Spirit. And uh, and he has us captured, and uh, I've I've not only been there, but I see other people oh who gosh, are yeah. there, and you see in their eyes and their lives and the way they're reacting to things. It's like, oh my goodness, you are not able right. to see God right now, right. and and always, you know, and, and there are times you just you were like, um, well, the word tells me that if you aren't able to see God, then there's some type of impurity there in your yeah. life. And you know it, and you and and they're like they deny it absolutely. No, no, no. There's no impurity in my life. There's everything's good. And you're like, mm, yeah, you say that, but um, I have never had an experience where that was true. I think the scariest part is when you when you bring that to them, and then they say, because this this has been me. I'm not gonna lie. September was a really hard month for me, and for a while I was mm. just like, I didn't want to read. I, I didn't want it at all. Like I didn't want to read. I had no desire to. Mm. And um, my friend looked at me and she goes, you just need to be obedient because you don't yeah. care right now and you don't want to care. And she said, so you just need to be obedient because yeah. I didn't like I didn't desire to be like, I don't want God. But I was in that spot and yeah. I could not see out of it. And she just goes, you need to read your Bible yeah. and just be obedient and just pray. She goes, even if you don't want to, you have to, because if not, then you're never going to to be taken back. And God's never going. Well, God can do anything, but it, it's not going to be like God's just one day when you're not reading the Bible, when you're not praying, he's just going to go, all right, wake up. Yeah. And it's like, no, you have to be obedient and be faithful all and right. repent every single day. And when you're in his word, then, then he aligns you to his heart. When I was going to Himalayas, I read uh, Platt's um, Something Has to Change. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, the um, uh, and as I was reading his uh, him discussing his own personal life and, and so forth, one of the 
one of the challenges when you travel is maintaining your daily devotional time. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting because uh, he he was saying how he had always had a, a, a special time with the Lord, but in the last few years that he had been very conscious about ma- maintaining that every day. And, uh, and, and that was true for me as well the last few years that I, um, that I had had periods of time where I maintained it every day mm-hmm. and then every, you know, and then right. you just try to make it regular. Um, I remember I gave myself Sundays off for a period of time. Um, but the last few years it's been a, a diligent, right. I'm going to do this every day. And, and I, and so I was, I was, it was interesting that as he was describing that it was, he was saying exactly the same path that I had been on. And uh, and how God does that. He it's even though we are very different people and different walks of life and so forth, how he moves upon his servants, uh, the importance of making whatever changes are necessary to make this a daily because when it was not an everyday occurrence, when I did not make that. uh, You're right. It was there be some days it's like I just don't feel like reading the word. And and now that uh, it has become uh, just a daily ritual um the i can't i can't imagine not it's like right. it becomes like food it, mm-hmm. it is like you think i can't imagine just skipping meals right. uh, for you know right. days on end um <laughs> but you but when you and that was the thing that convinced me to go to a daily is like well if the word of god mm-hmm. is more important than food right right then uh then i'm going to then i'm going to that's going to be my priority mm-hmm. over even if if I'm if I'm gonna eat every day, then I'm gonna read God's word every day. Right. And uh, and so uh, and it, it is it's a life it's a life altering decision. But the thing that you discover is is that you you do become dependent yeah. upon the word of God. That it really does speak something to you each and every day. Even if if you now I have my own Bible reading and so forth. But mm-hmm. I, but I would encourage just. Even if you just snack on the word, you know, yeah, just a few right. verses, yeah. you know, whatever, whatever the case, just get into the routine of, of being in his word every day. And it is, it, it is, it, it reminds you that when you are doing something, you're like, this is going to hinder my ability yeah. to understand or, or hear or, or what he's saying. And, um, and I, I mean, seriously though, you think 365 days a year, mm-hmm. that means 365 times every year, there's some passage in God's word that right. speaks something special right. to me that I really need. And then you think of people who have none. Right. Well, they, the, like yeah. for example, this morning I woke up and I've learned that if I don't read a passage and listen to a worship song or a song about the Lord, like my day is going to be off. And so this morning I didn't want to do it. And I told my, I said out loud, I was like, you have to do it or you're going to be attacked today. And I, I didn't want to do it. I read through Ephesians one and then I listened to a song and I was, I was like, I don't want to do this, but I'm thankful for morning Josh that he did that because if not, I wouldn't be able to have the mindset of my, of my mind right now, but it's kind of what Paul says. He disciplined. What does he say? He disciplined. He buffets his body. Yeah. Yeah. Because he knows he needs that. That's how he does self-control and self-control is the fruit of the spirit. And so if I, Say to the Spirit, Lord, please help me right now, so that I can be protected all day for for you. Um, th- then then I will do it. And so yeah. anyway, so d- did you get anything out of the reading? Um, no, I didn't. Well, actually, okay, hold on. <laughs> Let me back up. The song that I listened to is from the Worship Initiative that Shane and Shane does, yeah. mm-hmm. and it was uh, he. 
the way that they crafted the words from Ephesians 1 was super helpful. Like the song was really awesome. So the Lord spoke to me in that way of this, like this is a worship song about, about him reigning. And it, it was really, really cool. Yeah. Well, let me encourage you in this, that uh, I, and this is something I took from, you know, where Jacob wrestled with God before the, the yeah. dawn and so forth yeah. and said, I'm not going to let you go to you. Bless me. Yeah. I took that uh, position with my devotional time. Yeah. And when I open up the word, I say, I'm not going to leave. Right. Until you show me something mm. that I can uh, that I can hang on to, and I will not leave that. And it's like, and I and there's sometimes when it's like there are things pressing and other yeah. things going on, but it's like no mm. world's gonna yeah. collapse and, and go without me. <laughs> right, right. I'm not, I'm not gonna leave until you show. And he's and he's very faithful. He always shows yeah. me. Always. Right. So say it, it really it boggles my mind that 365 days a year. He shows me something. There are yeah. four. There are four components to my daily devotional time, and this is just me sharing. Just I as a pastor, but um, <laughs> the uh, I always read some devotional thought. I always read something written by another part of the body of Christ, something that someone else has yeah. written mm-hmm. uh, that they take from it. I always read a passage of scripture. I always read my, the the Bible reading that yeah. we have, which is some I read the Old Testament, New Testament, uh, something from Psalms, something from Proverbs, and I always. Um, uh, I always write in my journal and I always spend time mm-hmm. in intercessory prayer yeah. and, um, and have a prayer list of people that I pray for every day so that I can always, so there's a group of people I can always go to and say, Hey, I pray for you every day. Right. And just FYI there, everybody in this room is in that, is on Aww. that list. Just so you know, prayed for every day, every <laughs> single day. So, wow. and, uh, don't ever miss. So if, um, and that's not. Uh, that's just because oh, well, I'm, I'm afraid of God more than anything. So. I'm, I'm <laughs> and you afraid, love him. I'm afraid of God. <laughs> and, and I love him. Yes. <laughs> and there you trust go. Him. Same, same thing. Anyway. Um. But uh, it goes kind of go hand in. Okay. Anyway, that's uh that's what we got out of the reading this week. I hope that you also uh, got something out of the reading and please share it with us. Share Absolutely. Sure. We love to hear from people and Absolutely. what God is showing you in His Word. And if you have questions, obviously we love to hear the questions. In fact, speaking of questions. We're going to deal with some questions when we return. Welcome again, and we are now going into our question and answer session. And Josh, Josh, what is question number one? Question number one is kind of a whole Bible question, Mm. um, but it was brought up in our Jeremiah reading today or not today, this week, for a few times. Um, And it talks about the city of Babylon. Mm. And so Babylon is a very important character throughout the Bible, even though it's just a city or a nation. So what is the significance of Babylon? When we read the name Babylon um, throughout the Bible, um, what kind of flashing red lights need to go off in our head? What kind of reminders do we need to see? Well, Jeremiah is, when Jeremiah is talking about Babylon, is because that is where the uh, nation of Judah is going to be taken in exile. Israel is captured by Assyria and is taken in exile as a, as a means of judgment. While Judah escapes um, being captured by Assyria, Babylon, uh, the empire, takes over um, takes over uh, Assyria and conquers Assyria and then it takes all the prisoners uh, that they have and, and, then, uh, and then comes in and sweeps through, um, Nebuchadnezzar sweeps through Judah and then they are in 70 years of exile. Now, the interesting aspect of this is is that Babylon actually goes all the way back to Genesis uh, to the area called Babel, Ooh, and uh, and you remember Genesis the Tower 11. of Babel. Tower mm-hmm. of Babel is um, Babel is actually 
the uh, the Hebrew uh, word uh, is Babel, uh, and uh, which we pronounce that V as a B, um, but uh, Babylon and Babel are actually the exact same thing. Hmm. And so just wow. different ways of, it's kind of like Jesus and Joshua. It's just you're taking Hebrew words and making them say different things in English right? Um, in different languages. So uh, so Babel uh, is really the same as Babylon. And, and so if you if you understand it that way, um, then you have you have the Tower of Babel is this moment when the people of the earth after Noah had uh, survived the flood, uh, then the people of the earth just basically were trying to build this tower to God and, and really just define showing their own pride, their own uh, self-sufficiency, defying who God is. And God uh, confused their language and so forth, which, just a little aside, Babel and Babylon don't really have the same etymological uh, origin. <laughs> um, oh, well. The babbling, if hmm. people think of that yeah, yeah. as Babylon, but they really don't have the same origin as far as the words. But the uh, <laughs> but um, B A B B L A Babel. Yeah. But uh, but. Uh, but anyway, so they're so they're anyway the the nations are scattered, and then out of that he raises up Abraham, raises up a people of God, and gives them uh, then they go in exile or go into slavery. Uh, he pulls them out, uh, gives them his law, asks them to follow his law. They refuse to follow his law. He brings judgment upon them, and then what does he do? But he sends them back to Babel. Mm-hmm. And so basically now this is is like you I called you out of this. You become just like the people I called you out of, so now mm-hmm. I'm going to stick to them. Yeah. And um, and then after that, basically exile for 70 years, then he calls them out again. Right. And um, and then uh, and then he uh, ultimately they reject his son Jesus Christ. Uh, they reject the church. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of time, what does he do? He sends them back again to mm-hmm. Babylon. And so, uh, so three major one a calling out, an exile, warning basically, then a then a, a res- restoration, post-exilic period of time. The Christ comes, establishes church, and then at the end of all time, uh, Babylon comes back into play again, and he and he condemns people to be yeah. there again. Now, the the thing that is interesting about Babylon is that when God judged Babylon, he wow, he really judged mm-hmm. Babylon. It it's one of the it, when we talk about Babylon, Babylon and Revelation, um, the, one of the reasons, because John says, well, this is really Rome. I mean, he's right, describing Rome, right. but he's calling it Babylon. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the reasons is, is because at that time, Rome was still in existence. Right. Well, Babylon is the is this is one of the kingdoms that God judges that is estranged from him. It really represents this is who people are apart from God. Right, right. And he judged them so severely that it just ceased to exist. Mm-hmm. Now, we believe somewhere in the deserts of Iraq that that is where Babylon is, but there is no hanging gardens of Babylon for King David. You're not going to go there and go to the old city of Babylon. It's just not there. And, uh, and so it's it, he. you had this incredible civilization that God raised up and then just completely and utterly destroyed. Now the Persian Empire came after that, the the Greek Empire, the Roman Empire. You have all these empires that rise and fall, but Babylon's the symbol for all human empires 
uh, that have risen and fallen. So there will be a last time that a human empire will rise. And so it it, it may not be literally Babylon. Right. Um, that actually, I mean, that location, mm-hmm. but it will be uh, symbolic of that. It will be it'll be just like all the rest. It will have all the riches and all the pomp and all the circumstance. In fact, the, the civilization we are in uh, can be Babylon, uh, mm-hmm. is Babylon. And so, and, and the more it becomes self-sufficient, the more it becomes a kingdom of pride, the more it defies the creator of the universe, the more, as, like Babylon, we are in the same fate mm-hmm. will be ours as well. Now, will it be the last time that, uh, that is for all time, meaning when Jesus returns? I don't know, but, but it will, it will happen. It, the, the, the kingdom will fall. And uh, and then and then maybe another kingdom will rise up and they'll go through this whole system again until Jesus returns. But uh, but at some point that that system of empires rising and falling will come to an end. And then uh, people will be banished there for the last time. And then God will finally and utterly destroy it for all time. Yeah. So just to recap, because this is helpful in your Bible understanding. Babylon um, is a representative of what people apart from Christ look like. Yeah. World empires. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So anyway. OK, great. Thank yeah. you so much. A kingdom ruled by someone other than Jesus. Yeah. 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 OK. So my next question um, is from First Timothy again. Um, the the pastoral epistles is what we call mm-hmm. these books um, and, or these letters, I guess. And so. um this brings up questions that I feel like the church, we as a whole, need to understand. Troy, what is an elder, a pastor, and a deacon, and what's the difference? Is there a difference? What's the difference? Mm-hmm. Now, the more ambiguity is in the difference between a pastor and an elder. Now, there is mm-hmm. a difference in the words and the meaning, but uh, but a lot of uh, there's there's two. I'm going to say there's three primary scopes of thought now there's there's nobody who thinks that deacons and elders are the same and that's mm-hmm. very clear in scripture so in fact when paul is given the qualifications for overseers he differentiates between deacons mm-hmm. deacon comes from diakonos it's just simply a transliteration of the word diakon uh, which means deacon uh, or is deacon which means servant it's literally the greek word for servant is diakon and uh, uh diakone and they uh, uh, and we, so we get the word deacon from that. Um, there isn't, but it is, it, it, Paul says that there's an office that is created within the church of servant. So mm-hmm. basically the church has created an office of servant. And we, we pull from Acts chapter seven, uh, that, that was, uh, we kind of say this was kind of the origin of that when you have the apostles needing more time to study God's word. Mm-hmm. And so they have a group of men who, uh, will take on serving tables and ministering to the widows in order to take care of those things while the apostles spend their time dedicated to the study of God's word. So that, that kind of gave us, uh, an understanding that one of the roles of, in the early church for these servant leaders, uh, is that they, are um, basically uh, servants set aside by the church to make sure the ministry is being taken care of while the pastors are making sure they have time to study God's word. Not that pastors aren't supposed to minister to other people and mm-hmm. take care of ministry needs, but if that's all they are doing, then they have never had the chance to, or the opportunity to study. So, right. so you're creating people, hey, we're going to help you with the ministry in order that you can focus on mm-hmm. um, uh, understanding God's word to convey that to us. So. So that's the idea. Now, the elder pastor thing, two different, uh, there's like a single elder model and a multiple pastor model. And and that Mm -hmm. really goes back to your understanding of ecclesiology or your theology of the church. Right. And 
and the idea of a single elder model is that basically a a person an elder was appointed for each local congregation and and then that local that congregation is actually how decisions were made but that pastor would try and equip them and uh, and then guide them in that so it's kind of basically a congregationalist idea of of church leadership and the pastor would be the authority that that church that church would call a pastor or so forth and then and, and and many churches follow that guideline um of of how they're set up um the multiple pastor multiple elder idea is that you don't just have one person who's set apart but you have multiple people who are set apart for leadership within a church and they meet together you could have a lead elder or a, a group of elders but the elders are basically who make the decisions for the church and um and guide the church and so forth uh but the, basically the church again ultimately it's congregational and that the church empowers those elders or calls out those elders but the um but the but then those elders make the mix now that looks can look in two different ways it could be like you look at elders and pastors as synonymous or you could have what would be called a group of elders who are not pastors but who work in conjunction with the pastors of the church and so forth so uh there's enough ambiguity in the in the letters that paul gave us and in the new testament writing that all of those can work within scriptural guidelines uh, and so you really have to come down to how do we interpret this? How do we see this? Um, and the church basically comes together and forms that polity. Uh, some denominations will say, well, we see this as being a hierarchy, meaning they not only have uh, elders, but then have bishops and uh, and then a congregation of bishops and then, and then a lead bishop and so forth. I mean, the Catholic Church, basically the Bishop of Rome is basically the lead bishop, which they mm-hmm. call the Pope. And they're just given different names to um, levels. Uh, you have cardinals and right. bishops and, and, and the Pope. Um, but uh, but there are other denominations. Uh, the Methodist Church has uh, a hierarchy uh, of leadership uh, uh, like that. Uh, so uh, there's there's all kinds of different ways to uh, all kinds of different levels of those leadership. Now, we are a congregationalist uh, church, uh, meaning that our congregation makes those decisions. Um, I don't think there's, I, I myself, I'm a multiple elder-led uh, congregation. I believe that's, um, um, I just followed that uh, line of thinking because I think when they went through and appointed the elders for the church mm-hmm. and so forth, but that can, but that's it can be semantic sometimes, right, right. meaning that uh, that could just mean you have multiple pastors, right? Um, and so, um, yeah, I mean, so elder, the thing that uh, most people don't realize about, especially with our own denomination, is they'll say, well, Southern Baptists don't believe that. And it's like, well, actually. <laughs> Southern, Southern ba- Baptist as a whole were elder led uh, early on, and one of the reasons why we went away from being elder led congregations was because of the Civil War, and hmm. when the Civil War occurred, we just didn't have enough men, and gotcha. so they you had one guy sometimes overseeing multiple churches, hmm. so you just didn't have enough men qualified men right. to have groups of elders overseeing the church, but uh, but now that there's a trend. Uh, within our own denomination and and uh, and other denominations to go back to um, that I that model right. of uh, elder elder based congregation. So, hmm. well, thank yeah. you. That's super helpful. Yeah, good, good, good. Well, thank you guys for joining us, and uh, we are uh, always uh, uh, 
anxious to hear comments from you. So please, uh, Troy at FBCJ.us or Josh at FBCJ.us. We love emails and comments, but we also uh, love questions that you may have and so forth. Um, but if you want more information about our church, obviously go to FBCJ.us and check out our website and all the things that are going on there. We'll try to keep that updated for you and uh, and keep you abreast of everything that's happening uh, here at First Baptist Church of Jackson, Missouri. <laughs>